For a while when I was growing up, life verses were really big in the church where people picked something, some verse of the Bible that just really spoke to them and they'd talk about it being their life verse. And some of them were wonderful things like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Or something like Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or even Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. I often thought that if I was going to have a life verse, it might be Hebrews 13, which one verse translates as, do not cause your leaders grief. For me, that was perfect. Some people chose a life verse from the passage that I'm going to read today from 1 Timothy 4. See if you can hear it. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Did you hear it? Physical training is of some value, except it's even better in the King James, physical exercise profiteth little. So you'd go, hey, you want to go for a run? Nah, like the Bible says, physical exercise profiteth little. Now, this is not the life verse to justify an unhealthy lifestyle. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is that exercise is good. Physical exercise counts for something. And there's some profits to it. We know that. Our doctors tell us. Our bodies tell us. So we need to make that a priority and be intentional about exercising and doing it with some frequency. But while Paul says physical exercise is good and brings some profit to us, his real point is that if physical exercise is good, godliness is even better. Physical exercise might keep your cholesterol and your weight down and your endorphins up and a host of other good things, but godliness transforms who we are. Godliness opens up a deep relationship with God who tells us that in his presence is joy, who promises that he'll never leave or abandon us, who reminds us that we're loved and that we have value and worth, who gives us strength in this life and the promise of spending eternity with him in the next. That's even better than being physically fit. And because it's better, we need to train intentionally and with some frequency for godliness. Because one of the assumptions of the sermon series is that we're all training for something, either actively or passively. We are all in the process of becoming something. So what do you suppose that you're in the process of becoming? Some of us have great, clearly articulated goals. I want to become this, fill in the blank. I want to be a good dad. I want to have a successful marriage. I'm helping to restore health and healing that's broken as a result of the fall. I'm a missionary on my campus. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make people's lives better. Others of us might not be able to articulate a goal, but we're all moving in a certain direction. And goals are important because they help us to chart our course in life. They affect how we behave, the choices that we make, our attitudes. To set a goal is to say, this thing is a priority for me, and I want to attain that because it's important. So 
Let's think about it in this way to maybe help us focus a little bit or to be able to wrap our minds around this. When you stand towards the end of your life, what do you want to look back and see? Or maybe a slight variation on that. If you were able to listen in at your memorial service, what would you hope people would say about you? And I think that we should also have this qualification about the whole memorial service thing. Because some things people say might be positive, but they might not be consequential. For instance, I'm always about having a good time. I love to have fun. But man, if at my memorial service, all people said about me was, he had a really good time. I'm not really sure that describes a life of significance. And significance is one of my goals. It's a priority for me. Paul gives us a really good insight in the next installment of Timothy. We're in 1 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think Paul helps us understand this a little bit. Where in verse 6 and following, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul loves athletic metaphors because they're easy to understand. And people in Paul's day love sports just as much as people in our day do. And so he pulls athletic metaphors. He talks about, you know, fighting, combat in the arena. He talks about uh, foot races, all things which we still have today and which were common back then too. And so he looks back over at his, his life because he's towards the end of it. And he makes some observations about what he sees, about what he's been able to achieve. Paul basically says that he's identified, he was able to identify what the most important things were. That's what I fought the good fight means. In the struggle between good and evil, light and darkness, Paul fought on God's side. Paul can look back on his life and say, my energy was focused in the right direction. My priorities were lined up with what was important. And so that makes me want to stop and think, what fights am I fighting? And am I fighting the right fights? There's all sorts of battles that are raging around us, and some of them are really worth us investing in, and others, not so much. And Paul stands at the end of his life and says, I fought the good fight. I fought the right fight. I kept the main thing, the main thing. And then he kind of switches his athletic metaphor. He goes from a fight to a race. And he says, I finished the race. What's, what's the shade of meaning that's different from fighting the good fight? And I think we get a clue out of Philippians chapter 3, where Paul writes, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's talking about a race here. He's talking about track where he's keeping his eye on the end line, on the tape that he will break when he goes through it. And that's what pulls him through the race. And I think his metaphor is he's talking about living a Christian life pleasing to God. He didn't live in his past pre-Jesus life. 
He didn't live the way that he used to be. He, he leans into, he runs in the lane of a follower of Jesus. And he pushed on towards the prize, towards the goal at the end. And I don't think the prize is heaven. I think the prize is knowing God. We might say Paul stayed on track his entire life. I've been thinking about this a little bit contextually because who we are is really proved in difficult times. Faith is really easy to have until you actually need faith. And then it can be a challenge. These are difficult times. They're difficult because of the political upheaval. They're difficult because of the various levels of unrest and different social things that are going on in our country. They're difficult times because of the pandemic and the fallout and all the discussion and pain that's, uh, that has come because of that. And consequently, because of all the turmoil and chaos in our society, many people have a level of anxiety and stress and grief and pain and disappointment because of the challenges that we have all faced over the last, what's it been, 16 months. The hopes that we had that were dashed, the relationships that failed, the people that we lost, the challenges of jobs or shortages. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And many of us look at that and go, my life was okay. It wasn't really that difficult. And yet we've all suffered loss and we've internalized many difficult things. And we're beginning to see more and more this kind of grief that is boiling up in people's lives. And it's taking various, shape, uh, various different paths, but it can really be difficult. And my encouragement to all of us is to stay the course. We're headed in the right direction. Hang on to the goal like Paul did. Keep your eye, not necessarily on what's right in front of you, but on where you want to be. Stand course, keep on track, even if it's just putting one foot in front of the other. Some days, that's a success, as long as you're moving in the right direction. And then Paul adds another sort of layer to this, where he says he kept the faith. And I kind of view that as how he got to the finish line. Paul didn't really limp to the end. He ended well. He knew the truth and he didn't waver from that. He kept on keeping on and he ended well. So at the end of his life, Paul can say, I met my goals, I finished well. And now he says, I can look forward to the reward that God has in store for me. And I love how at that point he goes on to say that the reward isn't just for him, that God is going to give it to everybody who longed for his appearing. What he means by that is for when Jesus comes and makes everything right again. And he's talking about people who are focused on Jesus and have lived their lives for him. So the promise isn't just for Paul. It isn't just for super Christians. It's for everybody who loves Jesus and makes it to the end triumphantly. Paul can say those positive things at the end of his life because he set those goals earlier in his life. He wanted to achieve those things. He wanted to be that person. And he achieved those goals because he trained for those goals. Because Paul, like us, was becoming something, was becoming someone. So how does he do that? Well, it might sound boring here or even repetitive, 
and redundant. But that's because there is a difference between knowing something and actually doing something. The way that we get to know God is the same way it has always been, is the same way that it was for Paul. He took time to know God. He did this through prayer. He did it through Bible study. He did it through mentoring relationships. He did it through investing in people. He knew that in order to get to the finish line of his life triumphantly as a strong believer in Jesus, he was going to have to set that as a priority and train for that and do the hard work of becoming a person who is like Jesus. So now, go back to the earlier thoughts. You're standing at the end of your life, and you look back on your entire existence, what will you say about it? Or what will other people say about your life? Will you be able to say the things that Paul said, or will you say something different? And if you want to say something like Paul said, you know, I got close to Jesus, I ran the race, I lived a life of significance, I made a difference for the gospel, what do you need to put in place today in order to be able to say the things that you would like to say? And I want to offer one suggestion to help you get an accurate picture of where you actually are in your life and with your priorities. It's been said that the first task of leadership is to define reality. So if we want to lead in our own lives, let's define the reality of our lives. We have to ask, where are we right now and what are our priorities really? And so my suggestion to you, for all of us, because I'm going to do this too, is to do an audit of our time. Make a chart. Where do you spend your time? Because this kind of goes hand in hand with what I said last week, that we do what we want to do and we don't do what we don't want to do. So therefore, if we take a snapshot of what we're spending time on, we'll pretty much see what's important to us. And my suggestion is, go ahead and hedge your bets. Pick a good day, pick a good week. I think you need to take at least two or three days, maybe an entire week. And I think the easiest thing to do is maybe once an hour, Stop and just jot down what you did uh, during the hour. Now, if you're, engin you're an engineer, you might be able to do it minute by minute, but, but most normal people you know, can do it like once an hour or something like that. Or even at the end of the day, go back and go, what did I spend my morning on? I did these things. And then at the end of the week, go back and look at what you did and add up how much time you spent doing each thing. Look at the clusters of things. You know, we've been talking about physical fitness, and Mark Wilson was telling me that he was reading several studies that said that we spend less than one-tenth of the time that we do on physical things, on exercise, on working out. We spend less than one-tenth of that time on anything remotely spiritual. So take that as a challenge and see how that plays out in your life. Because like Paul said, physical training is of some value, it's important to me, but godliness is of infinitely more value. And so as you look at your time and figure out what you're doing with that, there's probably going to be areas where you're going to go, hmm, that's not, I want to be involved in something a little bit more significant. And if you're like, if I have to grow, if I want to grow in godliness to be more like Jesus, I know it's going to involve some of the spiritual disciplines that Michael already said. It's going to involve scripture study. It's going to involve prayer. It's going to involve mentoring relationships or small groups or whatever. And 
you might even be thinking, some of that stuff is really boring. And it could be true, but it might be boring because you're doing it the wrong way. We've got suggestions, we've got pro tips, we have hacks. We have stuff that can get you there that will keep your interest and it will be the type of thing that will cause you to grow and you'll have a good time doing it. We can help with that. So once you do the time audit, take a look at where you wanna grow and if you want some suggestions about spiritual things, spiritual disciplines that might work for you, let us know because we would be happy to do that. We are absolutely committed around here to the idea that following Jesus is of great value because it will bring us an abundant life here and now and also life in the time to come. So let me ask you a couple of questions. The first is, as you do your time audit, what does that show to you? Secondly, what are three things that you hope people say about you at your memorial service? Third, what do you hope that God says about you when you stand before him?